keep talking about it. I'm sorry. It's just so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Mary. Hi. Hi. You're in a mood. I, feel like I don't know what I'm in. I don't know. Am I ever not in a mood? That's fair. Well, hello, folks. Hi. Hi. Hello. And I'm Cole. And welcome to How to Bake a Book. How to Bake a Book. How to Bake It. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Bake It. Are you at the Metagalactic Grand Prix right now? Because <laughs> that's where I you just like. stole the show. Yep. <laughs> Y'all, I am so excited. Again, this week, we are talking about Space Opera by Catherine M. Valenti. And it is such a good fucking book. And so fun. And uh, like so I said in the other episode, we will not do it any sort of justice it's fine i'm still happy with it i'm happy with our discussion i'm just i'm sure that most people listening to us right now will understand this feeling i'm just happy i have somebody who has read this book i like that i can talk to about it because the one person who i know otherwise who has read this book is not how do i say this in a way that's not mean because it's not mean uh, this person is just not very exuberant when it comes to talking about like media. Okay. Like this person will give an opinion and then that's it. And then that's, that's it. all they think. That's it. That's, that's all they need. They don't want to get into like the granular detail like I do. So right. yeah, I'm so excited. If you guys are deeply confused by what's going on, uh, please go back to our last episode where we start our conversation about space opera by Catherine M. Valenti. And perhaps also maybe read the book if you have um, the, the desire, because it's really worth your time. Highly recommended. This book was a lot of fun. And that's uh, not a genre I read a bunch, and Cole keeps giving me books to get into the genre. And uh, I loved this. I thought this was fun. I thought it was like really punchy and really, really just quick. And, I'm so excited. Um, even though it's a quick read, it there's so much in it. Like there's so much context. It is so so smart too. Yes. Like it is incredibly smart. Like we talked about last episode, the first um chapter. I guess it's not exactly a chapter, it's more like an intro. Uh talks about Emmanuel Fermi. Uh, sorry, Emmanuel Jesus, Enrico Fermi. <sighs> Mary. which i didn't know he that was an actual dude so yeah there we go that's an actual dude i mean i really love the history of science i just think it's a really fascinating like topic and i will often read um micro histories about scientists or about like specific moments in science i think it's really rewarding um oh, cool yeah i like it i like that kind of stuff so before we get uh back into it what did you do for your recipe oh my god I'm so excited to share this I made something that I've never made before and am like I I'm definitely past the the phase when it was like super trendy because it was really trendy for a minute it was like it was practically a meme um it was everybody was making cake pops and I thought I would give myself a, a like a little attempt at it because um, like we mentioned last episode, this book doesn't really have that much food in it. And I almost made beignets, 
but it was it was just like a beignet was mentioned sort of in passing in the second half of the book and then I remembered that sometimes we can just do things that are inspired by this book that we're reading and so I made disco ball cake pops and (laughs) oh my god I'm so excited (laughs) they're so great I, I like I said I'd never made a cake pop before so I made a standard cake which is like, I didn't know that this is how you do it even. Um, You make a cake and I made a a smaller recipe because there's a lot more going on with it. Did you Um, just do like a yellow cake, like a vanilla? um, The cake that I made was was inspired by a um, blogger slash YouTuber that makes a lot of vegan food uh, called Pickup Lines. Pickup Lines, L-I-N-E-S. And she had a uh, really delicious looking vanilla caramel cake. And so I wanted to give it a try. Um, I halved the recipe because you don't need like a whole cake because that's like 8,000 cake pops. Um, (laughs) And it still still made a decent amount of cake pops. So I almost made a red velvet cake, but then I was worried about what the visual effect would be like because... um, when you make a cake pop, you take a cake and you add uh, like a, a coating on the outside and then you put sprinkles and stuff. So I was worried about the red poking through too much. So I wanted to do something white um, so it wouldn't be as like prominent and take away from the disco ball look. So um, I made this cake. It was it was actually a fairly straightforward recipe. Um, the only thing that's really different in it versus like a traditional cake recipe is that you make a vegan buttercream, which, uh, not buttercream, buttermilk, um, which I do a lot making stuff um, for like pancakes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, But you take like a high high percentage of protein plant-based milk. So like soy milk or a pea milk works really well or cashew milk works well for it too. But things like oat milk or almond milk aren't as good. Um, and then you add like some sort of acid to it. I used apple cider vinegar, but I've also in the past used like lemon juice or something. And that makes the pea proteins like stick together and kind of curdle. And that gives it this like luscious, luscious texture. The, The cake turned out really well. And then you take icing and I made just like a basic vegan buttercream, which it's, Effectively the exact same thing as making a standard buttercream, but you use non-dairy butter. It's really straightforward. And you mix that together with the actual like cake mix, and then you roll it up into balls. And I chilled them because I was worried about them falling apart. And a couple of them still did, but it worked out okay. I chilled them. And then in a bain marie, I had um, some vegan white chocolate which is hard to find i ended up having to find it on the internet even the like mary do you ever have this problem where like you think that there should be something really easy to find considering that we live in the greater portland area and it's like a food mecca and you just can't find it yeah that actually it's surprising and a lot of uh either it's like a vegan ingredient or it's like a uh, non-inflammatory ingredient usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I would, I've had no problem finding dairy-free dark chocolate, which I understand is a, a horse of a different color. Like it's a completely different beast here. 
but um, I could not for the life of me find vegan white chocolate at any of the grocery stores, even like the specialty grocery stores. So I ended up ordering it online um, and it, it worked really well. It coated a little bit thinner than I was thinking it was going to. So I did a couple of coats and then I got this amazing edible glitter and it is like psychedelic silver, just over the top and then coated it all. Um, but instead of using like a stick for the cake pop, I took pretzel sticks and I also dipped them in the white chocolate and put oh. them on there. Um, because That's I just good idea. Thanks. I got like the extra long ones because I was worried about like like fingers, you know. Um, yeah. And I feel like that wasn't actually a, a, like a necessary thing. You can probably just use regular ones. Um, but I did pre like put it in the white chocolate too to just have that little extra treat. So it was mostly because I didn't want to cut skewers. <laughs> Well, and there's a little bit of like, you know, waste with that. And at least with the pretzels, you're trying to do like no, as much of no waste as possible. Yes. Yeah. That is amazing. That sounds so fun. And yeah. I have made cake pops, cake, cake pops before. I want to say K-pop so bad. K-pop. Anyway. Uh, I mean, I, I can get behind some K-pop. um but I've made cake pops before and I found that if you don't put a little bit of icing or whatever like on the tip of the skewer or pretzel or whatever the cake pop will just slide it slide down it like yeah yeah I was gonna make a horrible stripper joke and I decided not. (laughs) you know what strippers are doing the lord's work they really are. I, yeah, like, we support sex workers. We do. I've never met a stripper I didn't enjoy talking to, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. On this podcast, we support sex workers. So yes, we, do. we do. Sex work is real work. Done. Sex work and also, work. and also, I think that using the pretzels as like the stick for the cake pop helped because there's like, it's not like just, it's not slippery. It's not like, yeah flat there's ridges and texture and I had I had the um chocolate on it when I was doing it and it worked really fine I also I wasn't necessarily making them so that they'd stand up straight I wanted them to be like a disco ball so there was like a hot minute that I was thinking about using like fishing lines (laughs) and I realized that that was just silly like it's not that serious I made little disco balls. That's all I need to do. <laughs> so, uh, did you end up using any sort of like edible glitter or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. This like absolutely psychedelic. Oh, I'm so excited! Like, yeah. Super, super like over the top silver glitter. I wanted to get every color, um, and I was surprised that it didn't have quite as much texture as I was expecting. Like I was really expecting like a firm like almost like a pop rocks kind of experience and it wasn't that it wasn't like that but it did actually have like some texture oh that would be such a great idea to do to like roll a cake pop in pop rocks oh I bet Uh, before I went before I went non-dairy there's a um there's a an ice cream shop here in Portland uh called um oh god what's it called I've just thought of like eight different bars. Um, the Salt and Straw? 
Oh, Salt and Straw. There we go. Yeah, there's a place called Salt and Straw, and they had uh, the Pirates of Trinidad, which was like this whole. They, they're they're known for like their kind of off the wall flavors, but it had pop rocks in it, and because it was supposed to be like, you know, bombs or whatever, <laughs> whatever <laughs> pirates do. It was really like cool. maybe I should read a pirate book. Oh, I have so many recommendations. Oh my god, have you read? <laughs> um, almost exploded just now <laughs> okay all right interesting <laughs> interesting um there's a book uh called the gentleman's guide to oh my god now i can't remember any words mary hold on give me a second <laughs> i'm so sorry I'm like, to the internet uh gentlemen's we'll get to the book eventually folks Don't yeah we will uh to gentleman's guide to vice and virtue goodness gracious <laughs> oh my i was God. gonna like, try and guess but i would have never ever ended up anywhere near that it's a gay ya book what more can you want um it, it's really good but i haven't read the sequel but i know that the sequel is like very pirate heavy um but i loved the i loved the first one it was I very good never not read something involving pirates i don't there know about me you know what you like a pirate i do, I do yeah like a that's pirate. fine that's fine i'm here oh. for it okay do you want to talk about space opera because that's all i've wanted to talk about for the past six months so <laughs> so i have to say and i didn't tell you this in the last episode oh, but no. this book has landed on mary's top five favorites all time this is an audio <laughs> podcast so nobody can see what you're currently doing <laughs> oh my god i can cry i'm so happy oh my god Mary, i'm so happy i really oh. enjoyed this book i read it once oh my god i'm so pumped it, so technically i've consumed it twice okay. and Excellent. i just i thought the writing was exquisite and punchy oh. and really fun yes. And it just makes you think. So yeah, it's it's honestly one of my favorite books of all time, and I'm so glad that I'm so glad that you're also vibing with it. I will. That makes me really happy. I have to show you Marble. Hold on, because she just what is she doing? I just have to show you. I get to see a cat. I can't see the cat. Where is she? Oh, she's in the podcast chair. Oh, she's so cute. Her little belly. Okay, you guys, she's like log, log position. She's got her little feet, her front feet tucked up, and she's kind of like leaning back into the back of the chair. It is the sweetest thing. And I just, I think I've mentioned this before, but she's like a ridiculously soft cat. <laughs> she's I just, funny for <laughs> she's like, yeah, it's like. It's like not real how soft she is. <laughs> it's really like it's absurd. And I just want to touch her little belly. And I know she would have let me if I was there. Yeah, she's adorable. She's, she's adorable. been hanging out this whole time. She's just been sleeping over there. Waiting for I love that. There's over there. I love that. She's just your little podcasting buddy. Yeah. I wish that my cats weren't awful. So <laughs> I mean they're not awful, but they're um they're the kinds of cats that if I have a closed door, they're not going to like it. Or if I'm doing, I think that one of them gets very concerned if I'm talking to a computer screen because she thinks that I'm like, un, like 
talking to myself like, like you're unwell like you're not like okay. I'm unwell <laughs> or I'm trying to get her attention or something um she she's but she'll like do welfare checks on me when I'm having oh zoom meetings <laughs> like I I have a, a meeting every Tuesday morning with uh some folks at work and every Tuesday morning she comes over to me like hey buddy what's going on here and it's she doesn't do that to me any other time I'm working so I think it's the fact that I'm talking Uh, this one's Artie oh the little old lady oh she has a dentist appointment on Friday no it's fine we both just pouted nobody likes dentist appointment she's just a little baby cat and I can't even explain to her that she has an abscess and she needs to get it taken care of Oh my god, I am a human being and I'm a healthcare professional. Mm-hmm. Fucking hate the dentist. I will I, I refuse. I refuse. And Robbie has like he has bad like genetically he has bad teeth. I don't. Like mm-hmm. I brush my teeth, I brush them in the morning, brush them at night, maybe floss a couple times a year if I have to. <laughs> And then I go to the dentist and the dentist is like, you do such a good job. Your teeth are so clean. There's I'm no so jealous. And then Robbie's, Robbie gets super pissed and I'm just like, I don't know. I'm so jealous. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. I, I'm, I'm a Robbie in this situation, but I'm sure that people are tired of hearing about my teeth. So, and my cat's teeth. Unless maybe that's what they're here for. Are you here to talk about my teeth, guys? No, I think they're here to listen about space opera that we have tried <laughs> to talk about and then have gone on four different tangents since then. I'm here for them. I, Mary, I don't know if you know this. I quite enjoy talking to you. Oh, I enjoy talking to you too. I, it was so cute. So I have a little book group, like, like, uh, on, what do you call it? Like Instagram Messenger and um and the it's like five of us girls and uh i think well there's six of us because four of them live in australia and then it's me and and my Mm -hmm. friend ashley and ashley lives in st louis and uh but it was so cute because ashley sent in like a little voice memo about like one of the books that we're reading and everybody went bananas about her accent and they're just like oh my god i love your accent and all this stuff and so then the Australian girls started sending in clips of like their own voice and it was it was so cute because we're all in our like mid-30s and we're just like you sound adorable and it was so cute because Ashley said something about my voice that I just thought was so nice and she was just like Mary has such a calm and nice voice that I could listen to her read the news and I was like oh I could too (laughs) like I'm not kidding like Like yeah in my head it sounds incredibly annoying but I guess that's just yourself (laughs) like I I I get that I think that that's like a little bit of an anxiety thing though um I just I I understand that self-deprecating my voice is so annoying my presence is unwanted all of that jazz but your presence is wanted your voice is adorable and so are everything else that you bring to the table well it's so funny too because I have Robbie used to give me such a hard time when I worked at like the front desk or something because I have professional Mary and then there's like oh Mary and so he would call me mess with me and be like oh I need an appointment for such and such and like he would like say really weird things and like I wouldn't realize it was him until he would say something to get mm-hmm. me to that point and then I'd be like you <laughs> bastard well anyway. I 
I think he, I mean I I totally get that too. I think he was uh, it was the second or third time we hung out. So for context, we all met because I worked at a coffee shop, and so did Rhett and my my bestie, um, and like my person, um, and. Mary and Robbie kept coming into the coffee shop that we worked at. And it was one of those things that like, we kind of had like that energy, like, like it was like nerd. your eyes. What was that? You're a nerd. I'm a nerd. Exactly. Exactly. It was like, we would have better than average like customer service interactions. And then it became clear that we just needed to become actual friends. And I think it was like the second or third time I was over at your house and we were like playing board games or something. And Robbie said, wow, you're so much more relaxed than you are at work. And I was like, <laughs> of fucking course I am. Like, <laughs> you're comparing me to my customer service points. Like that's mm-hmm. like, of course I'm going to be like really lovely because I want tips. Come on. <laughs> happy I don't work in a tipped profession anymore no no shade no shame none of that no but like it's a lot less stressful it's a beautiful thing yeah we I, it's so funny because Robbie and I I keep saying that even though things aren't funny uh we keep seeing these billboards and stuff that will are you okay that was I said that when I was taking a drink <laughs> uh but we keep seeing these billboards that will be like it'll be cook wanted and it'll say like uh you know uh 15 an hour mm-hmm. including tips yep. <laughs> and it's just like oh okay so their tips are included in that calculation of 15 dollars an hour so they're yeah. not actually getting paid 15 dollars an, an hour yep uh-huh and it's bullshit. It's absolutely bullshit. Yeah, I, bullshit. I mean, for the vast majority of my adult life, I've worked in some dimension of customer service. And this is the first, one of the first jobs that I've had that hasn't been that. And it's so fucking excellent. Yeah, so I, mean, I work in, I still work in healthcare. So that customer service aspect is always going to be there for me. But oh, I, yeah, for I sure. enjoy it. So it's fine. It's okay. I think, I think that like, like your friend said, I feel like you have a very comforting voice. So, I mean, I've never obviously been in a medical emergency around (laughs) you. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, But I feel like you would immediately deescalate that for me. So I try. Oh, thanks. Okay. So let's get to the book. So that way this episode. Yeah. Is in four hours long. Um, I would love to get to this book because we are getting into the meat and potatoes of this book. Yes. Like everything up to this point has been like the establishing shots. And now we're on our way to space. I have a question for you, Mary. Yes. Would you ever go to space? No. Given the opportunity. No, really? Okay. No, I, so I, I am very much grounded to the earth. So okay. even when I fly, I have to pretend that <laughs> when I fly, I have to pretend that I'm in a car and that turbulence is just, is just like potholes and shit. Oh my God. Because okay. I can't handle it. I can't handle That's it. Fair. And then if I'm in a hotel or if I'm in an office building, I calculate, <laughs> oh my God, that's going to make me sound nuts. I no, calculate if I was to fall from that distance, what 
portions of my body would be broken or not (laughs) (laughs) answer i will leave said medical office or or oh my god yeah that's amazing i'm i'm not afraid of heights i i don't love heights i had like an awkward um bungee jumping accident once upon a time that i don't want to get into uh i it's fine. it's fine it's fine you and i will talk about it some other time but it's yeah no i um i don't i don't love flying or anything like that i do love flying machines and i would absolutely go to space there's no question i would love i would love to major tom it right into the stratosphere no i'm good with like you can show me videos and you can show me pictures and that is good enough for me yeah yeah that's fair. I will say statistically, it is more likely that you'll be injured or whatnot in a car accident than a plane. Accident. I know, I know. It's just a, it's just a mental thing that I have that's to do fair. when I fly, and I don't fly very often, so yeah. you know, that's fine. yeah, that's totally fair. <laughs> but, I mean, I agree. Like. If I'm given the option travel-wise of, like, doing a road trip versus flying somewhere, I'm always going to want the road trip. Like, I always, I like, I prefer it. I just think that the whole, like, theater that we go through flying is annoying. And I feel like that's how space is going to be. There, like, space travel is going to be annoying. Well, and they're coming up now with a design uh, as far as, like, flight goes that they're trying to figure out a way that humans can fly standing or staying standing up straight so they can that more into the flight like into the plane so they're thinking about like those cross-section seat belts and then you just like chill up against the wall no no thanks that's gonna be a hard pass for me i mean my Um, husband is six four and he already has a hard time fitting in an airline seat you know yeah i believe that yeah again your answer is you would you would go to space Oh, hands down, I would go to space, even if it was just like a, an that? orbital flight. Oh God, no, 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 no. We went, we went to South Korea a few years ago um, as like a trip, uh, and Ren cried for the entire flight. So oh, it was no. the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, it's like an eleven-hour flight. We had to watch like two J Lo movies and get oh, her drunk to, that's to get her to come home. Cried. I mean, one of them was home. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't wasn't saying that the movies that were on the flight as an option were the choice movies. (laughs) But no, it was was not ideal, is what I'm saying. Uh, Like, we've talked about going on other trips, and the prospect of having to fly with Ren again is very... <laughs> like I might just like try and figure out a boat <laughs> if we ever decide to go to like Europe or somewhere else. You know, I'll, I'll if you guys ever go to Europe <laughs> via boat, let me know and I I will join you. Amazing, let's do it. Let's take a cruise. I feel oh, like no, cruises are the grossest it. thing in the world. So bad. I've never been on a cruise. I've you never know that when you sign paperwork to get on a cruise. The language in the paperwork is stated as such that says that it is not their fault if you are not on an actual, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, 
a boat that can do boat things. So like <laughs> a boat that fucking breaks down in the middle of the ocean, but you can't sue yeah. them because you signed it. That's going to be a hard pass then. Oh yeah. And then the amount of people that go missing on cruises and shit. And the fact that because it's such an, like, because they don't belong to any single government, mm. nobody can ever get tried for crimes. Like if somebody in this, I'm being dead serious. If you are raped on a cruise, you cannot do anything about it because- Are you fucking nobody- kidding me? The govern there are no governments that are willing because it's to international it. waters because it's international waters. Oh my god! And okay, so maybe flying is the way saying that you will not sue the company if that happens to you. Okay, so no boats. No, um, <laughs> uh, no boats. Jeez, yeah, sorry, that was really dark. It's just I no, I mean, it's good to know. <laughs> is I just listened to Wine and Crimes uh, <laughs> about. <laughs> no, that's great. That's fantastic. I mean, now I'm worried about what the language in that like a like consumer space flight is going to be. Like again, fuck Jeff Bezos. Like absolutely fuck him. Yeah, I feel yeah. like if I haven't explicitly said that in this podcast, it's been heavily implied. But <laughs> I do want to go to space, even if it's you know 60 years from now, and I'm just like a 94 year old little old creature. I want to go. <laughs> and so and the fact that we're making strides to get to a place where people can go to space, I think is really cool. I just wish it was NASA doing it, not, or the ESA. ESA would also be fine. I'd be down with that. Um, just I not just Elon Musk and. Resources were more focused on things that are happening on the actual. Oh, I totally get you. The, the only reason why Jeff Bezos could afford to go on his stupid little dick flight is because he was <laughs> exploiting his workers. So, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's I all remember. beside the point. Back. Let's talk about space opera. <laughs> space opera. Let's talk about these two little space gays, shall we? <laughs> gays in space. <laughs> So part three, which is titled mm-hmm. Air, mm-hmm. and by now we've we've learned that Decibel and Ort and Ort's cat Capo, C-A-P-O, Capo. Capo. It's a, Capo is a type of, um, it's a tool that you use when you're playing guitar. Is it like tomato versus tomato? Capo versus Capo? No, so it's Capo? Okay, Capo it is. Um, it's when you want... To pl- when you're playing guitar, if you ever see people like clip something on their yeah. the neck of their guitar to change like the key that it's in, that's a capo. I had no idea. Look yeah. at you giving me all kinds of info. Uh, I play so- it. <laughs> so we learned <laughs> that uh, capo, ort, and decibel have all been uh, transported into this floating coral-like little battleship. Spaceship. And, um, Part three starts with uh, introducing a character that will be referenced uh, continuously later on. And uh, both Cole and I have the worst time trying to pronounce this this character's name. Would you like to try first? Gorgonar Gorkanon. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and I'm just going to refer to this character as Gigi. Gigi. Gigi is good. I think Gigi. I'm going to go with Gore Cannon. I've got Gore Cannon down. All right. Um, but 
Yeah, this character is is referred to quite a bit. And actually, in that beginning part, um, in the um, little missive at the beginning of the, the book, it says, life is beautiful and life is stupid. And that is something that Gorgonar... why did I try the first name that Gore Cannon says in her first unkillable fact which is something that we learn a lot about Mary would you like to introduce Gore Cannon yeah so this (laughs) this person uh so it says meaning me okay so it starts with a tale of a yurtman of planet yort and uh, Gigi is introduced and uh, how she is described and I'm saying she as a pronoun because that's how they refer to her mm-hmm. in the book um, so the head of a yurt mac can best be described as what you would get if a hippo mated with a chainsaw and produced something you wouldn't let into public school even with a hat on <laughs> <laughs> and then to have an affair with a spiny puffer fish. Yes. The yurtmac are one of the sentient species mm-hmm. and are they're a very violent species. The yurtmac are carnivores for whom murder mm-hmm. occupies the same cultural space as football or soccer does for humans in a World Cup year. Which mm-hmm. I just think is amazing. <laughs> and mm-hmm. she, it goes on to say that uh, yet the famed philosopher and beloved children's author Gigi was a Yurtmac. And uh, I love this part where it's describing how she goes off into the world and it says carefully avoiding major organs. She fondly stabbed her mother and father goodbye and vanished until the wilderness. <laughs> yeah. So violence is like super threaded into everything that yeah. the yurt mac do. And there are other yurt mac that come up. But the important thing about Gigi or uh, yeah, about Gigi is that she created this book uh, filled with unkillable facts. And the unkillable facts are like the, you know, the Aesop's fables or like the 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 general wisdom of the universe. Yeah. And they're like threaded throughout. I think we get like 10 or so but it's implied that there's like 25 or 30 or something like that yeah and I love how because they say that it's uh it contains 99.9 percent pure reliable and comprehensive laws uh of the universe yes yeah so that (laughs) that life is beautiful and life is stupid thing at the beginning is actually Gore Cannon's first unkillable fact. And I I will be quoting one of my favorites later on, but it's not quite pertinent yet. But yeah. So fact number one, it says life is beautiful and life is stupid. You can only ever fix one of these at a time. And wouldn't it be nice if anyone could agree on which one is the bigger problem? Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. And then uh, her second rule, and this has more to deal with like uh, space travel, it says, for everything that exists somewhere in the universe, there's a creature that eats it, breathes it, fucks it, wears it, secretes it, perspires, exhales, or excretes it. If you want to have an argue with me on this one, consider the brick-breathing beast of Balloon 4 and shut your fucking cake hole. 
Yeah. So this is the children's author. Yes. <laughs> but the, the thing that gets me is that, you know, throughout the conversations that Decibel Jones and Ort Saint Ultraviolet have with the various aliens, like people are quoting Gore Cannon all the time at them. Like yeah. constantly. And it's just, you know, oh well it comes back to uh Gore Cannon's like fourth unkillable fact or something constantly. So it's like the backbone of what like quote unquote civilized society is here um and it's it's great oh i just yeah i love and and she's not wrong like a lot of these are just are like yeah yeah i mean Uh, it's kind of (laughs) yeah so going back to everybody on the ship uh the roadrunner tries to get ort and decibel to eat uh, what looks like mushrooms, a sludgy liquid situation, and something that looks like a cup of espresso. And uh, it turns out that the mushroom will make, uh, will attach itself to like your voice box in some way and make it so uh, language is easy for you to understand other species and for other species to understand you. The licorice is to make their lungs more compatible with uh, other things besides oxygen, which, and I, mm-hmm. the way that she writes that was just so fun. It was just really cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then the, well, espresso, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the planet that they end up landing on, the atmosphere is like 70% serotonin and like 5% cocaine. so you know they have to have this licorice stuff to be able to breathe in the atmosphere there (laughs) yeah and then it's stated to you that the sand is just really fine mdma (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh so um uh so when they're presented with all of these things uh, Decibel just looks at it with total delight and says something to the point of, oh, is this lunch? Whereas Ort looks at it and says, now this is some hardcore triple X, keep it in the back room under a curtain, Alice in Wonderland action is what that is. <laughs> <laughs> See, and this is like, I I love Decibel Jones, but <laughs> I, I, I find that Ort is just absolutely inextricable from this manuscript (laughs) because I feel like that is what I would think at that moment like I wish I could have decibels like enthusiasm for oh this is weird let me try it but I feel like I would actually be an ort in this situation oh yeah me too I'd be like what the fuck is that he's being very English bloke man is what he's being Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> but I love the like Alice in Wonderland sort of like psychedelic <laughs> sort of like reference. Yeah. I just love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the espresso was just to give them a little boost of caffeine and a little bit of anti gravity, anti nausea, and anti 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 whatever else they needed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then we did explain a little bit of what the planet of uh, Litost looks like, or Litost. How do you say that? Litost. Litost. Yeah. Litost. Um, but on the way there, there's another character that I think is very yes. important. Yeah. yeah. E. Well, I get, what, what, was, what was the name of E's species again? Do you remember? Off the yeah. Head? So yeah. So uh, um, Eska doesn't like 
he okay so the roadrunner doesn't like being called the roadrunner because he said that he looked through their memories and can kind of have a he has a vague idea of what a quote-unquote looney tune is yeah and um and there's this fun little interaction about uh what why he doesn't like to be called or why she doesn't like being called the roadrunner when we meet another character and his name is e mm-hmm. he is a crewman on the ship and uh, it's a being that can constantly travel through different times uh, and all of this stuff. And his the way he speaks is very interesting too. And he yes. looks like a red panda. And this yeah. little red panda is so pissed that the Eska didn't bring Yoko Ono. It's like furious, <laughs> absolutely yeah. furious. Because he spent most of the time like preparing for this like meeting humans thing uh researching human music and fell in love with yoko ono and has been through like in like infinite time streams of like humans um human existence and just likes yoko yeah 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 <laughs> this the I, can you talk a little bit about how this character speaks yeah, so there's um, a, a verbal affectation. I don't have an, a, uh, an example in front of me right now, but what effectively happens is the, that E will... I'm sorry, you asked me a question. The, the, their species is called the claverot. Clever. Yes, the claverot, yeah. yeah. Um, there are a lot of avian species here. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're going to throw a lot of words at you it's okay if you don't remember it's fine um but the claveret have are like individual little time travelers and they can engage with time in a way that like no other species can so they double speak a lot i guess that's how i'm going to call it so it's um when he is speaking he'll say something like oh i never never always uh sometimes go through this doorway what have you that was something i made up on the fly because each word is running through that time permutation where they're trying out different like potential futures and it comes out through their language um does that make sense did i explain that okay yeah i think so i was trying to find a good i like quote or something that i can just read for them but i think what you said is perfect oh thank you yeah i mean it's literally they're they're able to try out different time streams is effectively what can happen Mm -hmm. and so that manifests through what seems like a verbal tick but it's actually them oh that's perfect yeah because it is almost like tourette's in a way yeah it's it's like almost like a stutter but it's because of time manipulation, which is really cool. Yeah, but apparently uh, the the galaxy has decided that you have to have one of these creatures on every spaceship mm-hmm. um, because they can see like all of the potentialities, which also I've talked about before, the long way to a small angry planet, they have species that can see in space time and it's really cool. Um, <laughs> very cool uh but the the way that this ship actually like locomotes is incredible mary are you going to talk about it no go ahead you talk about it so apparently 
in all of space and all of time, the best thing that people have thought of as an engine for spacecrafts is a paradox engine. <laughs> so it runs off of a paradox. So the Claveret will find a paradox to pretty much keep inside of the space that the engine would be and have it there. So Decibel Jones and Ort St. Ultraviolet are looking around this spaceship and they open a door and they see two people having sex, two humans having sex. (laughs) And and like, the thing that gets me is that Des is like, kind of like, oh, cool. I'm gonna maybe spy on this a little bit. And Ort is just like, nope, nope. There's a button there. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look that way. And it comes, it comes out. This is when you learn about like what a paradox engine is that, you know, you can you can use the the energy produced by a time paradox to propel you through space mm-hmm. and the two people having the, that that scene is a man becoming his own grandfather and so Claveret <laughs> has put that moment into the engine because it's a paradox and it's the thing actually taking them to Letost. oh okay here's a good one so okay uh there this is later on in the book and they're talking about a potential cheating scam or something oh yeah with the contest and uh he he says minigame exciting not technically cheating cheating fudging cheating against the rules cheating rules fudging cheating cheating and look you only spent a few hours on earth i've been all over their timelines 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 quantum foam possible fork time timelines and it's a lot of Decembers. I would just do about anything, anything to make a Christmas carol stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. It's very it's really, good. It's such a interesting pattern of speech because he is a time traveling being. And so anytime he speaks to you, it's a whole other being. Yeah. And so it's just, it's just, how do you, how does somebody think of that? Like, that's just so cool. Yeah. She's so clever. She's putting the permutations of time travel into the language, which is really cool. Yeah. And by, I, by she's so clever, we mean Catherine M. Valenti, the yeah. amazing author that penned this <laughs> magnum opus. Uh, and then as far as, as Litost uh, goes, I just wanted to, uh, say a little bit more about the planet so it has two small white suns three pink moons several lavender oceans with the same sugar content as earth's oceans have salt Mm -hmm. huge continent full of rich green antidepressant grasses watered by refreshing diamond showers healing rivers and forests where no one can ever get lost on account of the night light leeches (laughs) yeah it's i mean it's a psychedelic candy land is what it is like it just sounds amazing there's a period of my life where that would have been the greatest possible planet to live on (laughs) but (laughs) but so uh, before we get to when they actually land though yeah there are a couple of key things that i want to make sure that we don't miss on the ship so during their travel it takes like 11 days to get from earth to litos ort and Des are practicing a song and they're trying to figure out what they're going to play because it can't be, of course, a repeat. They have to create a new song to play to everybody. And both of them are frustrated because the magic that was 
Decibel Jones and the absolute zeros isn't there. And the biggest takeaway from like the tension oh. is that they they both kind of blame Des for Mira being dead. So specifically, Ort definitely blames him. Oh, he and yeah. he says it. He says it when they're on the ship that like if you if you hadn't been such an idiot and just said yes or just let her talk or just not laughed when she said to marry her she wouldn't have been depressed and gone and driven um and died so or blames Des, and Des feels guilty and neither of them are getting along well on this ship but they're trying and not doing a great job ultimately they decide that they're going to do like a medley pretty much of like earth's greatest hits of like all of this poetry so like all of these lines these very famous lines and put them together in a song and part of that is because they don't want to take complete blame (laughs) things go bad because they get to see like a highlight reel of all of the metagalactic grand prix that have gone on in the past and I'm not going to describe them to you because there's no way I can encapsulate the language that Valenti uses, but they are over the top. Like there's unbelievably over the like top. Like there's there's I think there's a yurt Mac that uses the skeleton of her like dead mate. lover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to like become a to become a a musical instrument to play. And then there's like another species that gives their heart to the audience and then that like gets absorbed into your being and the song becomes a part of you isn't there another part where like somebody lights themselves on fire as part of the the Mm -hmm. grand finale and yeah yeah anyway (laughs) and there's there's one species that's like a collective so like an entire gene pool stays effectively in one kind of body um, so it's like kind of spores almost. I think of like coral or something like that. Um, and the they're like split apart and destroy themselves. Like it's it's not something that apes do. <laughs> All of these things. Well, so the two of them are feeling the crisis of not being good enough. Well, and it it uh, and I'm glad that you brought this up because it also takes place in the same scene where they are fighting and I I don't remember if it's or or decibel but one of them says to the roadrunner that you know isn't doesn't it mean you know we're speaking we're fighting we're we're conversing doesn't that mean that we're sentient enough and so that is when the roadrunner gives capo the ability to speak and yeah. says that line of okay so now that I've given your cat the ability to speak, is your cat a sentient being? Does your cat mm-hmm. deserve a seat at the table or is your cat being served at the table? Yeah. And I I just thought that was such an interesting line, you know? Yeah. Because I yeah. have cat, like, you know, I, uh, there's such a, you know, as far as like, and I'm just gonna, I'm just saying the very surface level of this, mm-hmm. but a lot of like, you know, vegans and animal rights and all of that stuff, there's this big line of what constitutes sentience and what doesn't like, mm-hmm. you know, cows have feelings, cows are smart, cows can yeah. problem solve, but yet we mm-hmm. eat them. Yes. 
and you know dolphins are considered uh i can't oh gosh i'm gonna completely talk out of my ass right now but i think they're considered uh um almost like human level intelligent or something there it's illegal to kill um it's illegal to kill dolphins in general um except for in a, a, a very few countries um, but in Spain specifically, which has this, this huge, um, marine biology, uh, emphasis, like as a, like culturally they're, they're really into marine biology. Um, they have one of the biggest aquariums there that a friend of mine was trying to get a job at that she would have been so good at called the Valencia. Um, but it's, it's huge, uh, and really cool. And it's a really neat research place, but Spain treats, the killing of a dolphin like murder it is considered murder if you kill a dolphin so that's my my weird little that's like all i know about spain (laughs) (laughs) honestly but But, it presented it presented me with an interesting question you know what i mean oh yeah totally well i mean as a, a philosophy major in uh, undergrad that's one of those things that you you think about like what counts as people what justifies killing something and i think that's the central conceit in this book is like are people good enough to really think that we're hot shit (laughs) i think i think we're not actually as hot of shit as we think we are and this book really kind of snaps that into place which i think is great but i mean a lot of things do happen on the ship as well but that's not where the that's not where the action is except it's important to note that something happens here. Decibel Jones and the Roadrunner hookup. And this is only the first of the alien hookups that Decibel gets into. But so I apparently just glossed over this part. So yeah. do you want to talk about this? Because my next note is uh, when they actually get to Lighthouse. Oh, yeah. It's, it's after they watch the highlight reel. there's like the conversation there's it kind of splits on this spaceship so Ort spends time with E and they become pretty good friends actually and then the roadrunner and Des spend time together but that also has a sexual component to it so at one point in time they're talking in bed presumably (laughs) post-coitus how that goes I don't know but I'm sure there's fan art out there um (laughs) And more power to you. But the the two of them do hook up. And that is all I will say about that uh, for the time being. Okay. All right. Yes. <laughs> so we then start with part four, which is called Fire. Mm-hmm. And they get to uh, Litos, and it just sounds amazing. Like we said, the sand is fine, MDMA, there's antidepressant <laughs> grass everywhere. I think they. The thing that gets me is that this is the place that they land and they've made the reception area as comfortable as they could for the humans because the humans were the new guys and they wanted to like make it easy on them. So they based it off of a hotel that they had been in. Mm-hmm. It was like a like your old Hilton or something. Right? Yeah, like yeah. a specific Hilton that weren't and Des had been to before. Yeah. And so like think about all of this, all of this stuff, like 
diamond waterfalls and, you know, cotton candy skies pretty much. And then you're in the most beige place you can imagine. <laughs> it's just, I love that. I love, I love that dichotomy so much. Yes. Uh, but the, the two of them have to go through this, this mechanism effectively that dresses them up in an outfit that is the most like sincere to their essence as a person. And so Des comes out completely over the top, glitter, color, everything to the nines. And Ort comes out in glasses and a button-down suit. He doesn't even wear glasses. He doesn't even wear glasses, but he's got them. So when they get to to lead Austin or Lee Toast and, um, you know, they change into the clothes and everything and they're headed to a party, uh, (laughs) they're walking and it's almost like uh, they get shot at by like this laser gun or something. And it turns out that there's like this, I pictured it as the flowers that sing in Alice in Wonderland, but just as bushes. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So the, the, there's a uh, being on Lighthost and I think they are the Athereth, I think, or Acherath. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and these are flower beings, and they just look like bushes, right? And uh, so they see this this bush that has like a forty five caliber like gun in its vines, and um, it says something to the point of, "Oh, hee hee, silly me! I, you know, slippy fingers, buttery fingers," <laughs> and it was so funny and or is just super pissed and he's just like they, he just tried to we just try almost got killed by like a rose bush like is this allowed yes. and the road runner says of course it's allowed uh, like we encourage it darling it's it's rule 20 and yeah. i don't know if you guys remember but rule 20 was if you don't show up for the time that you're supposed to perform. If you don't show up, then you're, you forfeit your planet, basically. Like, you yeah. forfeit the competition. And so they've taken this rule to mean, okay, well, if we get rid of our competition, they're not there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I, this, this whole scene that, like, unfolds is is very much that first contact moment but also Mm -hmm. the hunger games yeah because they're seeing all of these other aliens and some of them are trying to kill them and some of them are trying to help them Mm -hmm. so there's like um i don't know are are you going to talk about the three two one okay i'm not gonna are you kidding i'm so excited (laughs) about the three Uh, two one but but these aliens are coming out of the woodwork because they're all there for the competition anyway. And yeah. some of them are sympathetic, like the Roadrunner. And they're like, okay, we're going to try and help the new guy. And some of them are like, fuck the new we're guy. Gonna fuck the new guy. Oh, <laughs> like this. We're going to make sure he can't do anything. So later at the party, we uh, meet a, another alien life form. And he, he's very, when he speaks, he's very highbrow, you know, like, whoa, blah, blah, blah. that's how I imagine it, right? It's just like, <laughs> like British person. And uh, 
it turns out that they tried to poison Decibel's drink. Mm -hmm. And then there's another alien species in what looks like um, like a dead red panda. Cabaret, yeah. And this one tries to take over his body. Because it is, it's described as a hemorrhagic, like it. Yes. <laughs> a hemorrhagic fever that decided yeah. to like go to college, you know? <laughs> it's, it, it, these are effectively zombies, but it's the virus, I guess. Yeah. Itself that is the sentient creature. Mm-hmm. And so it goes into detail about the rules that the, the, the galaxy has put in place for like, what is acceptable for these this fever to like infect and like they have to have a, a, a living the person the new host has to have like a living will giving consent after their death that the the fever can infect it and all of this <laughs> and the thing that gets me and the thing that absolutely gets me is that this creature's sentience was in question until everybody decided that they liked the coffee shops and the pastries that this like fever made happen yeah because effectively the fever like gentrified its planet and then everybody in the galaxy is like oh no but this is actually like pretty chill so we're gonna let it happen we're gonna allow (laughs) we're gonna allow it it's so funny that he's in like this rotting corpse of a of like a red panda and like Mm -hmm. yeah anyway and then tries to infect decibel yeah he tries to infect him tries to take over his body and then we meet in uterak who you know shakes hands with decibel but doesn't let go of decibel's hand and eventually is trying to crush his bones and decibel says something to the point of you know I'm a singer, right? I don't actually play any instruments. And the Utrecht <laughs> says something to the point of, well, fuck me. <laughs> I thought you were the other guy. I thought you were the other guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and at this party, you know, and like Cole said, there's some alien species, some alien species there to help. Some are there to hinder. To hurt, yeah. <laughs> My favorite. Favorite. The helpful ones. The helpful ones. And they are called the 321. I love the 321. They're sentient computer code. Yeah. And uh, so (laughs) there's a line when this just gigantic Microsoft Office paperclip comes walking up to Desiree and or and decibel sighs and he says he said we've had poisoning maiming and anthropomorphized mal cat mad cow disease what's your move spell check us to death (laughs) (laughs) oh i love it so much well i I mean this is the point when ort really loses his composure he He sits on the ground and yeah. it refuses. He he calls Clippy a cunt. Oh my god, I'm gonna get there. It's so oh, sorry, sorry. No, it's so no. fine. So Clippy and Ort are kind of having this this back and forth about you know the three two one or like we went through all of Earth's data and it you know Clippy was made to help you. So we we took the form of Clippy because we want to be helpful, and mm-hmm. uh. <laughs> 
I love this. If you're going to quote what I think you're going to quote, I love this. Oh, I love this. Okay, so it says, Clippy's eyes narrowed, his tranquil animated eyebrows furrowed. We do not understand why you why you are so hostile to us in this form. We're Clippy, your computer assistant. Our job is to help you navigate this program. Click on us. Get answers to the questions about not dying tomorrow. We chose this entity specifically for its position in your socio-technologically hierarchy. Clippy could never hurt you. And then it goes on, they go on to say, <laughs> they go on to say, uh, normal computers don't hurt, can't hurt you, but we are the three, two, one, and we can, because we are not Clippy. We are the three, two, one, and we really, really tried to be user-friendly for you, you ungrateful analog typist. And Ort looks at this alien and just with the best glare he can manage, looks at them and says, Clippy is a cunt. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh my God. I love it so much. Oh man. And so there's there's a lot of uh, more back and forth between or and the three, two, one. And it says by the point or but the point is we are the three, two, one, and we are extremely goddamn sympathetic to borderline sentient species because almost everyone here at one point or another has tried to use us to open or close their goddamn shit kicking garage doors and then turn on us. Turn us off how dare they so let's try this again <clears throat> hey there i'm clippy your computer assistant it looks like you are trying to survive the night and not get fucking slaughtered in the next five minutes like the miserable finite mortal <laughs> mortal organics you are would you like some fucking help <laughs> love it <laughs> i straight cackled at that oh yeah i yeah. like i loved the, like the three two one i just yeah I, that yeah. was so great <laughs> i would read an entire series of books based off of the three two one mm -hmm. i would like the the they are the peak <laughs> of what like an artificial intelligence could be in a science fiction yeah. book i love it I mean, I just, but then um, at some point, at some point, Jess and Ort kind of get separated. Mm -hmm. And that's when you start to realize that this is also like a little bit of a test for them, like this entire encounter, because Ort starts getting kind of, um, I, I don't, I don't know, but like romanced by people trying to, to lure him into offing one of his competitors or like yeah, well, bouncing. Well, yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. 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 Sorry. <laughs> no, you're proceed. I'm just so into it. <laughs> and so during this party, even at at one point, they think that you know the the uh are on their side and at mm -hmm. one point you see a bunch of them in an elevator and they had shot a dart at Ort, and mm -hmm. then they're fighting with each other in the elevator about well in my timeline we go back 10 minutes in my timeline we can go back five minutes in my timeline we can do this and it's just so funny <laughs> but like they it's it's literally it's everybody except the three two one the there's another group of aliens that look like avatars from like a gaming 
uh, like a gaming system or something, you know? I love this though, because they, they have these like projectors pretty much. Yeah. So nobody actually knows what these aliens look like because they didn't want them to know, but instead they send out these like nodes, I guess. I I forgot what they call it in the book, but they project a hologram and these are really, really realistic holograms. So at one point it talks about how there's one, um, one of these holograms that makes it to like the president of a of another species um, country or something and the the holograms the nodes are sent out and these people are all actually part of the most massive online multiplayer game and they've made everything else that's going on around them part of the game so every now and again like one of them will just be doing something and just say 50 points and you don't even realize it's one of them until you realize that that that's a hologram because they've said that you think that they're you know one of the three two one or you think that they're another roadrunner or something mm-hmm. but it's just a really like realistic hologram yeah because at the party when the uh i think it's the uterac that is crushing uh Dessa's hand the avatar comes up and hits the dude in the knees with like some sort of weapon that she has yeah. or something and says 20 points <laughs> I was yeah like, all right you do you yeah you do you. Uh, I love it. So Ort tries, uh, so Ort calls this, this whole process savagery and barbaric and is, is really upset about the whole thing. Like he, they are a sentient race. And um, there's another alien race that comes up to them and she, her, they, she refers to herself as uh, Nasuno Oof. How do you say yeah. that? Nasuno, that's how I would say it. Nasuno oof. So this, this race of aliens is is unbelievably self-deprecating. It and is absurd. Yes. So I it 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 took me a minute to realize though, because she was like, you know, oh, this popsicle stick of a of an you know human being, I could possibly never understand why you know like it was such yeah. a this worthless um like cretin that i am could could never presume to be as uh grandiose and wonderful of a singer as you but it's like it's like mean girls nagging each other but to like the millionth degree yes so she's she says something in here and decibel says you shouldn't be so hard on yourself love and Nesimo says, oh, I deserve the most severe abuse. The 321 sighed noisily and interrupted them both. Hey there, it looks like you're trying to talk to a smug guardian. Would you like help? Christ, yes, says Des. And uh, it's, he then goes on to say that uh, Nasuno Oof is a fixture of the stand-up modestry circuit and um is just like super well known has sold all more albums than anybody on earth combined and like all this Mm -hmm. stuff and their their whole species is is about self self self-deprecating and so like when they say you know oh i am just so stupid and blah 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 that's not like they're complimenting themselves like such an interesting yeah view on a species Mm -hmm. and i just love that and so, but Nasuno Oof is somebody that you should remember because yeah. we're gonna come back to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so she overhears Ort explaining how he feels this whole process is is full of savagery and and is just barbaric. Nesimo oh my god and puts them in their place and and I'm gonna read a couple of the things that she said because this does like Cole said this does take place sometime in in the future it to us in it at least and so yes. she looks at Ort and says I have a question for you I may I ask have you have do you have any lions left and Ort says pardon me and she says, it is unsurprising that this supremely useless melted ice cube failed to make herself understood. Her speech must be as infection of ear mites to you. On your planet, have you got any lions left? Well, no, not overly. No, they went ex- extinct a few years ago. But strictly speaking, they didn't go extinct. You made them extinct because they were carnivores. Because they were carnivores and they didn't look like you or think like you or talk like you. And they were a danger to you and yours. Or at least they were years and years ago. Because you've made of the sort of thing they like to eat. You're made of this sort of thing? Oh, it's a typo in my book. Oh, no! Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Because you're Uh, made of this they like to eat ah okay and then decibel says i suppose not and then she goes on to to ask you know what about rhinoceroses what about dodos what about giraffes those are all herbivores so they they presented no danger to you and your continuation of your species but you wiped them all out just the same and i was just like oh god my heart yeah and then she says uh uh what did she say did you let them dance for their lives did you let them lay down a beat did you let them sing a song to try and save their lives barbaric of course what can someone like me know and i was just like yeah holy shit (laughs) i mean and that's that's exactly the thing is that like i mean humans consider themselves in their own category like we uh, see ourselves as above everything else Mm -hmm. and that is what she's pointing out here is like how dare you consider yourself sentient when you've done all of these horrible things and of course that's like that's something that hasn't happened yet but we're pushing towards it and the fact that she's she just calls them out on it you know (laughs) it's great and she's not a good character and but it really like it just gets you right and yeah that's that's one of the things that i love is that like she has a great point she really does Mm -hmm. and she turns out to be a little bit of a bad guy but (laughs) we'll get to that a little bit later (laughs) so going back to looking at what's happening on earth so it's been 16 days since earth was invaded and humans are starting to get bored as we do and uh they start placing bets on uh how things are going to go down whether decibel and ort are going to be assassinated that day and if they're not you hear like boos and cries and then uh they're making merchandise and uh (laughs) they're even rooting for other alien species yeah because (laughs) Because, like earth would totally do that Oh, totally. But because now, like, they're sort of linked up to all of the, you know, the galactic internet. Pretty yeah, much. yeah. So, so they can see all this. All of the other <laughs> uh, Metagalactic Grand Prix 
mm-hmm. of the past and they're jiving with other bands <laughs> it's great well and i love the merch because the merch that they end up coming out with it says something like absolute heroes and drop the bass time and bird is the word uh and my heart beats at a million decibels take me to your lead singer and we're actually very nice once you get to know us (laughs) (laughs) see and this is the thing this is the thing about the book that we've been kind of trying to express is that every every little bit is so packed with cleverness like the puns in that sentence alone and it's every fucking sentence but it doesn't it's not over the top it is not cloying it is so well actualized i just i just can't i just love it (laughs) i just love the we're really nice once you get to know us we're really nice once you get to know us and so ort and des kind of split ways at this point yeah and des like tries to go and like pout at the bar pretty much (laughs) and is having this whole interaction with a yurt mac about trying to get a drink and the yurt mac like it is, I cannot describe how hilarious this scene is because there's this giant terrifying alien and Des is just trying to get like a standard issue bar drink. The alien has no idea how to make this happen. Has a meltdown. He asks for like a whiskey meat, which is just whiskey. Yeah, and, but he doesn't, he simply does not understand, but then sobs and try and breaks a bunch of things <laughs> and tries to kill him a little bit, but just like, you yeah. know, like a kind of a after the fact Yurtmak kind of way. And meanwhile, Ort is just getting himself into more danger because mm-hmm. this is like, this is the time when they've decided to sort of test the humans. Mm-hmm. And there's one species that tries to like lure Ort away with the promise of like bringing him to their home planet you can just run away right now you don't have to do this we can swing by your planet and get your your children and everything will be okay and mm-hmm. he says he he thinks about it but he says Ch- check with me in the morning so he doesn't consent to it and then there's another another moment where a Keshet comes over and he, I think he thinks it's E. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's E. I'm not positive. I don't think it was. I don't, I don't think, think it was. Who offers to take somebody out to, to like make sure that the humans aren't last. And he thinks about it again. And like the, the way that the Keshet like puts it, it into terms, it's like, what is you know, one random alien to you versus the 7 billion people on your planet. Like, mm-hmm. it, that's that's small beans math right there. And Ort has a little bit of an internal struggle, but then he thinks about effectively what Nisuno Uf said about the lions yep. and realizes that he cannot make that decision. He cannot consent to that. Yeah. And that's when it becomes clear that that was a test. To see whether yeah. or not the humans would like try and kill people to get through. And the thing that gets me is that one of the other aliens approaches Capo yeah. with the same oh, I'm, question. I will get there. I will get there. <laughs> okay. So, um, so like Cole said, Decibel goes to the bar, tries to get a drink, but he can't. Um, ultimately, the only thing that he's able to get is 
uh, tea, honey, and a large uh, lemon wedge. And um, because they didn't actually bring any earth alcohol or anything, because everybody figured that Decibel and Ort were professionals, and professionals know that alcohol is bad for your voice. Which I thought was so cool. Um, so the Nasuno, the, the self-deprecating alien, invites Decibel back to her room. Yes. And so we go back to Ort, and like Cole was saying, Ort leaves to go have a cigarette uh, with a with a an alien named Dark Boy Zaraz. And he says so Dark Boy Zaraz is from a species that the entire planet is like beyond midnight black Mm -hmm. like okay for all of you art nerds out there we're talking like anish kapoor vanta black like this is everything is a sucking void of blackness Mm -hmm. and that's what they vibe on like they're super into the fact that everything is like beyond light and so they name everything after blackness or darkness or shadows or what hot whatnot they, at one point in the book i think it gets described as as like a goth sweat dream yes. <laughs> yeah yeah it it's wonderful and so dark boy is talking to or and tells or that he's always been a fan of his even before he was part of uh decibel jones and and the absolute zeros and he tells Ort a story about when Ort was in church Ort sang this hymn about angels when and, he was like a little kid oh very little like eight yeah. maybe ten years old oh man I really you am, did it again it really is seven or eight what anyway anyway Mary, you did it again I did god I just have no reference of time anyway <laughs> oh. <laughs> so um and he tells Ort that he was able to get a uh like what does he say he's able to get like a uh, bootleg, pretty like much. a bootleg of of him singing that song and that's when he became a fan and then like Cole said, that's when the other alien comes and, you know, they offer to take him away and offer to, you know, take him and his family. Um, and uh, like Cole said, everything was a test ultimately or declines both offers. Clippy then appears and says, this concludes the semi-final round. You've been cleared to move on to the finals. Would you like to save the changes you've made to this document? and then you realize that whole thing was a test (laughs) yeah i really did i i we're not going to get into detail but the conversation between ort and dark boy was really great it was it was yeah it was beautiful because it was it was a very poignant moment but it was also really funny because they're breathing the atmosphere of letos which is like five percent cocaine um so they're like (laughs) having these like kind of existential questions but they're also super like on uppers yeah <laughs> and it's it, it's lovely but i'd love to interject here with an unkillable fact because yes. it's about to come become it's, very pertinent yeah so um, like like i said before the nesimo invites uh des back to her room mm-hmm. and um before we get there though there's a chapter about the cat oh, and yeah. Yeah. The, the cat is also tested and um i think that's chapter (laughs) chapter 29 chapter 29 is it's a short like page and a half chapter but this chapter was so amazing 
And so, so Capo spent the better part of her evening chasing particles around and is just having time of her life. And uh, this, was it a, was it a, um, I can't remember what species. Oh, it's a claverot. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so he comes to talk to Capo and uh, offers Capo to take somebody out uh, so that the humans win. And she's like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. What's the That's problem? Fine. Yeah, great. <laughs> and, um, and it says, Miss Capo, you have to learn to relax. I'm your friend. You're happy flower friend. I'm here to make you an offer. The Claverot have a lot of voting power this year's hosts. We could probably sway others to your cause in exchange for a small fee, of course. Excellent. Do it. What? You don't want to know what the fee is? Eh. I was going to oh. say India. Its climate is very uh, advantageous to bo botanical life. Soul, it's over there. Go get it. I'm going to take a nap here. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, it's so amazing. Can we circle back to something that I forgot to mention before yeah. that I fucking love? Yeah, of course. Um, th this is a very, very smart author. And the um, one of the offers that is made to Decibel is also... I'll take somebody out at a price and then Decibel asks, well, what's the price? And then I think it's Nusuno Oof says, well, how about India? Mm -hmm. And there's this great moment because I don't know if you know much about the history of colonialism, oh, I do. but the British subjugated the, the Indian subcontinent for hundreds of years and it was horrible. And so there's this, incredible pushback that Des gives. I mean, he's Pakistani, Nigerian, Norwegian something, but he is a British citizen. And pretty much he says to, to the person tempting him is, you know, fuck you. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be the first British person in history in any sort of moment of power to say, let's leave India alone. alone. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great. It is, I cannot give it the specific oomph that it has without reading the, the direct quote to you but it is excellent i think i highlighted it and i'll, I'll oh did you i think i did and i'll i'll i think i can oh well, let's see here is it this one i'll get there i'll get there okay while uh, you look for that i'm gonna read the 14th unkillable so fact before we get there there's one okay, last sorry about the cat so okay uh, so it says, um, compared to you, humans are joyful rose bushes bouncing through the stars. If you ever stopped napping long enough to escape Earth, you would just, you would come sweep across this galaxy like nothing before, an endless wave of carnage. You would hunt our worlds one by one and ruin everything we built. Only your laziness protects us. Capo hopped down off the railing, lifted her tail in the air, haunted,ly glanced over her her fuzzy shoulder, and says, "Most likely, you better keep mum, though, don't you think? Wouldn't want to wake us up." <laughs> so, with that being that. said, the That's next so uh, part are going to be Decibel and uh, the Nessio lady in her room. And I would love it if Cole told everybody what uh, Gigi's 14th unkillable fact is. The unkillable fact, this one's my favorite one. It's the longest one. They're usually very snippy 
they're like little quips almost but this one like is it continues so please bear with me Mm -hmm. it's worth it though and it really explains some stuff that's going on so (sighs) of course that little part of my childhood that hated reading out loud in class is like gonna come back so Gorgonauer Gore Cannon's 14th unkillable fact everybody fucks well almost everyone uh, no force on this plane of reality can equal the drive to get a leg over because it's the, the non-dimensional other space where all those nice, sophisticated, fundamental forces meet and form a weird, wet, messy trash ball. Tension, friction, gravity, electromagnetism, thrust, torque, uh, resistance, elasticity, drag, momentum, inertia, pressure, chemical reactivity, fusion, conservation. Conservation of energy, self-loathing, humiliation, and loneliness. Being ashamed of it makes about as much sense as being ashamed of the speed of light. <laughs> Everybody is bizarre and disgusting and and interesting and fixated on fetishes they wouldn't admit to their grandmother on pain of vaporization and worthy of love. You are bizarre and disgusting and interesting and fixated on fetishes you wouldn't admit to your grandmother on pain of vaporization and worthy of love. It's a literal goddamn zoo out there. So this is the best I can do for you. Don't giggle when the other entity takes their clothes off. Secure enthusiastic consent. Don't mix silicon and carbon without extensive decontamination protocols tidy up your house if you expect to bring someone home don't expect anything you wouldn't offer remember that every person is an end in themselves and not a mean to it means to an end and not a means to an end (sighs) don't worry too much about what goes where and how many of them there are. Don't mistake fun for love. Try your best. Be kind. Always make them breakfast and use protection. Chromosomes are not nearly as picky eaters as you might think. Just because the other fella is a plank of sentient wood from planet two by four doesn't mean you can't get pregnant and the splinters won't be nearly as fun coming out as they were going in. (laughs) In fact, (laughs) The fact is neither anatomy nor culture nor inconvenience nor the linearity of time nor distance nor food allergies nor federal law nor a dimensional rift nor strict parents nor the threat of instant and hilariously excruciating death upon contact with one solitary smear of foreign bodily fluids can stop people after a little bit of strange and the stranger the bits the better. Because genes are a bunch of thrill-seeking little shits always looking for the the next new thing. The very first time, the very first species discovered that they were not alone in the universe, they started eyeing up the other hostile carbolic acid-blooded space squid, winking compulsively and asking them if they wanted to intermix and gill. (laughs) Where there's a wang, there is a way. I once saw an Ursula hook up with a mime, a tuberous begonia, and a bottle of expired milk. There's no unseeing that. In the end, 
In the end, there's no Adam in this galaxy, but that someone hasn't tried to fuck it. Except me. Who needs a drink? <laughs> that is that is Gorgonat. That is Gore Cannon's 14th unkillable fact. And it's been a joke throughout that, like, none of the other Yurtak find her attractive. So that, you know, that little quip at the end. But I just love it. Where there's a wang, there's a way. Don't laugh when the other creature takes their clothes off and get enthusiastic consent. That's really good advice. Oh, man. That is, like, I loved that. That, I, it took, I had to read it twice. Yeah. Cause it's, so I mean, it's all like one sentence. Yeah. So. <laughs> no big. <laughs> it's, it's more than one sentence, but there is a very long one in there with lots of clauses that I'm sure was a nightmare as like, as a professional editor, I'm sure that her editor was going, okay, this still makes sense. This still makes sense. This still yeah. makes sense. This still makes sense. <laughs> so it's important to know that unkillable fact because Jess and Nisuno Nisuno oof hook up yes so <laughs> I did find when Decibel Jones is tested and uh is uh the offer is we will save you in exchange for India yeah Decibel Jones achieved full mystical holistic oneness with his tea pro tip he said smacking his lips next time you want to play colonial space monopoly with a british subject whose very favorite grandmother was pakistani you may not want to bring up india especially after reminding me what a demonic cabbage humanity can be when it wants something bad enough yeah (laughs) you see and here's the thing i was like trying to explain how wonderful that moment is and it it can only explain itself yeah so i'm so glad that you read that and it's just the moment of internality that he has right before that too also helps but i mean we could we could do this with every line of the book so there's yeah yeah Yeah. uh so he does end up going back to her suite and he says he couldn't entirely be certain what had transpired over the previous couple of hours if it fell under the dictionary definition of sex and he goes and essentially has like a like a threesome with this nasuno oof woman and a beam of moonlight named Mm -hmm. gobo gobo which which they meet in like the elevator yeah (laughs) they're like on the way back to her room and then the the beam of moonlight sort of hits on them and they're like yeah sure come on (laughs) yeah and so uh nasuno oof says that her species their definition of doing it um they brush each other's hair and then uh, uh like tell you know tell each other like their most inner feelings like show each other your feelings basically yeah and uh so so decibel's like all right i'll give i'll give this a chance i guess (laughs) (laughs) see and one of the things that i love about this chapter is because it does go into detail of what this encounter is like but it also says that decibel jones knew the 14th unkillable fact but not because he'd ever read it but because he like knew it innately yeah. Like this, this was this was like his 
his superpower is to know the unkillable that unkillable fact so he like doesn't laugh when she says oh we brush each other's hair like she came out with a hairbrush and he's like okay let's go <laughs> let's do this and that i love i yeah. just absolutely love it, well it's and their foreplay was like him saying that you know she was like a horrible being and like you know she was like it was so rude (laughs) (laughs) it was foreplay to her yeah oh she was into uh, it so decibel tries to show her his feelings and is like you know i wish they would have chosen somebody else like you know and he essentially lays down all of his his fear and like you know what's going on inside of his heart and she looks at him and says ew do you keep your feelings on the inside (laughs) (laughs) and she says that she's always taken pity on creatures that can't externalize their feelings because she literally has this like proboscis thing that comes out of her that is like her feelings that have been crystallized so think of like how um you, uh, like a little piece of sand gets into a clam and it turns into a pearl because it just keeps coating that with um, calcium. It's like that, except feelings. And she <laughs> she produces it mm-hmm. at yeah. some point in this quote-unquote yeah. romantic encounter. She opens her chest cavity and like gives Decibel this feelings crystal or something. Mm-hmm. And he he's holding it and he he realized that he's become unmovable, not because it's so emotional, like he can't he realizes now he can't move. And Mm -hmm. like he's he's somehow has has become frozen, essentially. Importantly, the moonbeam left. Mm-hmm. So it's just the two of them there. Yeah, the moonbeam just, just kind of dissipated and went off to do his own thing. Um, and she, this is when you, she reveals herself as a villain because the, uh, all the entire time, Misuna Oof has been a honeypot. Yep. And she's been paid off by one of the other species to disable him. Yep. And so she picks up this, what looks like a remote control. And it's covered in like rhinestones and points it at him and hits the mute button. Oh man, it's so good. Because then Decibel goes to say, what do you think you're going to do with that remote? And he can't say anything. Anything. And uh, so she, she's an assassin and wants the Alunazar to win since they're broke. And yeah. after hosting uh, over and over again, they want the money. Like they want, yeah. you know, they want all the things. And yeah. then she says, "All is fair in the semifinals," and leaves yeah. the room. Mm-hmm. So she's a bad guy, yeah. and she's she has made it so he can't sing. That's he has to sing for his supper and his species is what needs to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it. If the next day rolls around, he still can't talk. Yeah. And the so part five is heart. And it starts with saying uh, the 100th Grand Prix, 21 years since a new species has been involved, starts at 8 p.m. and everybody on Earth was drunk by six. Yes. 
It's because they don't believe in Decibel Jones and the absolute zeros. <laughs> I mean, Decibel Jones and the absolute zeros doesn't believe in themselves because they don't think that they can do this without Mira Wonderful Star. And she's dead. So they think that they're going to boof it. Yeah. Boof it hard. Boof it uh, hard. So and I mean, they're not exactly wrong. <laughs> so the master of ceremonies is this he's a mantech uh agri and he's this he's called dj lights out and he's like this, <laughs> this big disco ball essentially mm-hmm. and uh so he's gonna get the show started and it goes through everybody else's um performances mm-hmm. and this whole time you know decibel is still trying to get somebody to to realize that he can't sing he can't speak he can't do anything uh so the disco ball dj starts the show this is going to be one hell of a shit show but at least it's not war am i right <laughs> uh so <laughs> it's now decibel and and uh Or's time and or like you know he goes up to decibel and he just kind of like lays his heart out and is like you know we we can do this you know i i forgive you and i love you and he even gives decibel like a kiss and like a kiss on the lips like you know mm-hmm. like i forgive you you know kind yeah. of a thing and it's when decibel can't say anything or is like oh my god you're so fucking dramatic and like yeah. on stage and gets pissed like he's pissed pissed and the entire time he's trying to figure out wait like he was looking for a pen mm-hmm. to tell somebody something he was yeah. trying to figure out if he can carve it into his own skin like he was trying to find a way yeah <laughs> and he couldn't figure it out so he and ends the- up going on stage what were you gonna say Oh, I was just going to say, he, he's he's hoping that if he just, like, forces himself hard enough, he yes. can make it work. Yeah. Which is such a sweet and, like, wonderful thing to know yeah. about him on the inside, you know? Yeah. Like, how, how many times have you been in a situation that you know you couldn't handle, but you just thought if you concentrated enough or that you you tried hard enough that you'd be able to pull it off? And, like, that's such a human moment that yeah. I, I just love it being there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ort starts the song, and and Des doesn't do anything, and Ort finally figures out that Des can't sing. He can't. And he's, like, crying on stage, trying right. to sing. Mm-hmm. And, oh, God, this part was so, like, you could just, you could feel it, you know? Yeah. So, Ort then is trying to figure out any song and it's like his he and I highlighted it because my brain does this shit to me all the time and he it says he tried to think of a song to sing not their song any song a zero song a Bowie song a nursery song anything but his terror terror addled brain formally informed him that it had never heard of a single song ever and had no <laughs> idea what music even was so kindly yeah. fuck off and leave it alone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i mean i i get that like i don't know yeah, about you yeah. but it's the moment you sit down for the calculus test that you yeah. forget that you've ever learned a number mm-hmm. you know yeah. yep yep it's like you you in my case it's like you sit down for like your medical terminology or something because medical terminology is its own language 
Oh yeah, for sure. So it's like, you know, I could have a conversation with you and then I can have a conversation just using medical terms. Oh yeah. I, I took a French proficiency test for grad school and completely bombed it. I speak fucking French, (laughs) (laughs) but but it was because I was like in the moment thinking about all of the outcomes about how bad this could be. And it just, I went blank. I went blank. I, I boofed it. You poofed it. I love that. Uh, So what he ends up doing is he ends up singing the song that the bootleg uh, or that the alien had a bootleg copy of was the song that he sang at like eight or ten or how It's like a Christmas carol. The Christmas song about angels. And so it's something about, you know, the world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. All that fun stuff. And as he's singing this, it kind of cuts to E and the Roadrunner are watching this and they're trying to figure out a way to help to, to help the humans, to help Des and to help Ort. And, uh, and so... And the Roadrunner resists because sure. her entire thought is it's against the rules. We're not supposed to help. Like, it's just supposed to be that species up there. And E is so clever Yes, he's very clever. And it he says, it's not going well, good, well, 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 anywhere fast, anywhere good. And he said, twisting his paws. And even the roadrunner said, not even as well as I thought it would be. And I thought it was going to be a disaster. I could help, the time-traveling red panda said quickly. I could do a thing. I did a few tests, run, run, ghost tries, attempts, attempts, ghost tries, runs during the semifinals. It'd be easy. It would be done, done, back, done, 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 back before he's through with a second verse. You could, but it would be cheating. And so they have like this sort of back and forth about, you know, is it cheating to help a sentient race when they've been, you know, hindered in the first place or like, and it's such an interesting back and forth between E and, uh, and the roadrunner, the The roadrunner says something to the point of, you know, like, well, of course I love the humans. I love Decibello and I love Ort and, and, and that kind of stuff. So he was the first outsider to score uh, in the grand game of the Luminatus, and to the date, the last. That's and it's the that's the big MMO, pretty much. Yeah, sorry. And that's ahead. the big Avatar person. And when uh, the Keshet grabbed um, his two little paws and stuck his tongue out, he he vanished in front of all of his friends. And that's when the Avatar said, hundred points." Yes, because. And- we don't know what uh, E is done yet. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's kind of implied because part of that conversation is I'm not, I'm not cheating. I'm finishing what your job was because yeah. you failed to get Decibel Jones and the absolute zeros because that's who we wanted. And that it gives you the clue and you so soon learn what's about to happen. Yeah. But this entire this entire stage performance is a shit show. Oh, it is an ab- like awful. he's just a cappella up there singing a Christmas carol while Decibel in all of his like glitz and glam is mouthing words that aren't coming out and sobbing. 
is what's yeah. happening. He, he's just in his brain. He's just thinking about all of his regrets. Every yes. single regret he has ever mm-hmm. had. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he starts thinking about all of his regrets, especially Mira. The Roadrunner... Oh, okay. So this is when I was a little bit confused. And Cole as is going to be... <laughs> is going to oh, yeah. be a lot better than so- that. Do you guys remember that thing I read to you, uh, the 14th unkillable law and about how genes kind of want to make themselves happen? Uh, so as he's struggling, trying to push out something from his throat to make anything come out of his vocal cords, he finds that there's, I think the phrasing is that there is something there that he pushes out. And what happens is Decimel Jones births his own baby through his throat that he has conceived somehow from hooking up with the Roadrunner on the spaceship. So earlier on, I made a point to mention that they hooked up and it was because they've somehow impregnated Decibel Jones's throat. I have some ideas about how that could happen. And I'm mm. sure there's fan art about that. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not going to get into it. Effectively, what happens is this little baby, um, like, roadrunner comes out of him. And it, the, it says the trauma of the birth somehow fixes whatever it was that that the woman the night before had done to his vocal cords and he can suddenly speak again and the roadrunner freaks out because there's suddenly a baby roadrunner and there's something about a grotto which i think is some sort of like light that it needs to be in or it will suffocate not sure i think it's one of those like unexplained alien anatomy things <laughs> as the roadrunner runs up because suddenly she's a father <laughs> with decibel and it describes this baby as like a little bird but with human eyes mm-hmm. which is horrifying, horrifying to me horrifying but decibel immediately falls in love with this baby mm-hmm. uh, because he birthed it from his throat but <laughs> Do you have the quote of specifically what he says? Well, first? So he the the thing that he screams. Yes. So he's able to scream. It's all just so fucked up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing that gets me is that E. Or we didn't mention this early on. One of the things that E was really worried about is what the the song that they were making was too melodic mm-hmm. and it didn't have any of the quote unquote screamy bits yep. that you know the universe likes so much that Yoko Ono and Bjork do so much and suddenly they have a screamy bit and yep. so everybody in the audience starts paying attention because there's a interspecies birth that happens on the stage. So there's a Christmas carol and a screamy bit suddenly. Yeah. So there's a there's a and then there's one other thing that happens too. And um essentially in this book, wormholes are living creatures. Babies. Yeah. And yeah. so the only time you would ever see a wormhole is if it was yawning and left its mouth open. Mm-hmm. And so when Decibel was just thinking of all of its regrets, well, 
wormholes feed on regrets Mm -hmm. and so they end up coming and it's like a performance of their own and so there's this interspecies birth and then there's all of these wormholes all of a sudden coming and singing show up and then um e pops up with mira from a different timeline and all he said was decibel and ort really need your help please come with me and she does she and, does and so uh she she he, he brings her to the ship to perform and she goes to her drum set like you know nothing's wrong like nothing is in has happened yet and because it hasn't and so she gets up to her drum set she does a little bit and goes we are Tessabel Jones and the absolute zeros and everybody loses their shit shit and like the thing that she first says to Decibel too is the thing that she says to him all of the time and I think it's just a lovely little thing because yeah. she's Japanese English um she says mashi mashi wonderful and they say that to each other so that's like the thing she says to him as she's going to like help him save the day so everybody is perceiving this this all of this stuff that's happened on stage until that moment as part of the theatrics yeah (laughs) that everybody's put on interspecies traumatic throat birth the like the the Christmas carol filled with regret and like terror the wormholes showing up a roadrunner trying to catch its baby in a grotto everybody's like thinking that this is part of the show Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and then suddenly they get the song and then they get the song yeah and so they they end up winning and humanity is saved um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and apparently everything is so fucked up sometimes or is everything is all fucked up sometimes is that how it is uh it's all just so fucked up sometimes there you go <laughs> it's all just so fucked up sometimes is the like hit single for the next like quite a little while throughout yeah. the universe mm-hmm. <laughs> and i think or ends up getting back together with his wife and and mm-hmm. you know like ends up having like a really wonderful family life and uh decibel and mira end up staying together but at some point and and you might want to go into this a little bit because i didn't write any notes down about it but i guess because e took mira out of a time she's a paradox she's now a paradox and so they're wondering if maybe decibel and mira would like to go on a ship yeah maybe maybe Desabelle would like to pirate said you know like pilot said ship and like it's just it it just and it just goes back to the fucking y'all that's what it is yeah it literally closes out with like e thinking about whether or not mira would potentially be the engine of yeah. a ship and yeah. uh and Desabelle being a like a a captain on the yeah. ship sort of thing <laughs> but like that's it. That's the ending of the book. They win. And yeah, this everyone's this happy. Was, this book was wild and it was fun and it was heartfelt. And it was just, I don't think if I was just walking by it, I don't think it would be something I would just pick up. I'm had so you, glad. Had you not like recommended it or whatever, this wonderful book would have never entered my life. And I just, I think everybody needs to read it because A, the writing style is so different from anything I've ever read. 
and it's it's just wonderful I mean it was like such a sleeper book when it came out too like the people I know who have read it love it but the the fact that very few people have really heard about it I think even like reader really readerly people Mm -hmm. I, I don't I haven't encountered a lot of people who are like familiar with it it came out like five or six years ago and I'm shocked that more people haven't fallen in love with it so I'm so glad that you have and I'm really glad that oh I'm so good I'm so glad see now my my question is would you now describe yourself as a fan of sci-fi at all or would you describe yourself as a fan of this book I would say I'm a fan of this book okay that's fair okay because remember my only like science fiction book so far has been has been this it's been what was sitting in the middle of the night that one okay (laughs) we'll get you to read becky chambers and it'll it'll correct my past mistakes with charlie jane anders i love charlie jane anders oh okay i the book was great i just it's not for you. It just wasn't for me. I think that's totally fine. Charlie Jean Anders is she. It was a wonderful book. Her writing on trauma and PTSD PTSD was in was incredibly accurate. Yeah. So I would say that I'm a fan of this book. I'm still mm-hmm. working on being a fan of the genre. That's fine. I feel <laughs> like there's the I I will take that and I will go with it. But I mean, when you look at any genre, it that's it's so hard to like any genre wholesale because there are things in fantasy that so oh, yeah. yeah there are yeah. things in literary fiction that suck so it's it all comes down to the individual books like yeah. that and I also think that this book it does a lot of very clever things like there's so much of hard sci-fi that really likes to make everything very bleak and this is just completely undermining all of that. Oh, it's not so only, fun and colorful. Yeah. Not only is it really well grounded in actual like physics and math and stuff, like it doesn't get into detail. It's not like it doesn't get into the gory detail of all of the math, but all of the things that just are described are entirely possible. And so the fact that it does it and it leaves you with like a smile on your face and it lets a glam rock god be the winner (laughs) and it talks about weird alien sex and it has you know cocaine skies and beignets and and like a a weird little hookup thruple that like makes these people's lives and it just it's really a beautiful book I love it so what would you rate it so on a scale of one to five I gave this a four nice okay what what could it have done to get it to that five so it was a little bit hard to follow because okay. there is there's there's so many words yeah. <laughs> like, like, i'm saying that out loud sounds stupid but like no i get it you know like like i said when i was reading the the beginning um paradox you know in the book you know it's just we are a sentient race whereas everybody else and instead it took like two paragraphs to get to that and um i i just i don't know i think i think it i think it just for me it was very different from what i Mm -hmm. normally read and i but i i loved it so i think 
I think for me, it was just a little bit hard to follow. It was a much different genre than what I'm used to. Totally. But yeah, but I, I'm definitely going to recommend this. So. Oh, I'm so glad. Mm-hmm. I would give it a five star. That shouldn't surprise anybody. I'm so shocked. you're so shocked. It's like, <laughs> it's got a place of honor on my bookshelf and I'm going to continue to like pass it out to people. Well, and, and it, it has me interested in any other works that Catherine may have have done so yeah Yeah. I haven't read anything else of hers but I'm definitely going to um one of these days I'm going to get you to read another science fiction book let's let's take a break from them for the time being because we already know what we're going to read for the next little while so but if you have any like and if our listeners have any science fiction books that that you think you know I could I can get my training wheels on and try and whatever else then you know let me know because I'm definitely open yeah yeah I mean yeah, this is my my way of saying that there is a book out there for everyone mm-hmm. in every genre, mm-hmm. even if you don't think that necessarily you're X kind of reader or Y kind of reader. I'm sure that there is something that's compatible because oh, life is beautiful and life, and life is, is stupid. Is <laughs> so stupid okay so y'all next week we're going to be starting in on the invisible life of abby larue which is a very different book than this and boy howdy boy howdy do i have some thoughts i am excited to hear your thoughts on this i mean i love you know what i'm gonna save it for next week yep yep we'll wait um you guys thank you so much for listening this week um as always like subscribe give us a thumbs up like just interact with us somehow on the internet we'd love that and i think um i think spotify has a rating system now so Mm -hmm. uh if you're on spotify give us some stars yeah and while you're at it go and like dislike joe rogan Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. Anyway. Uh, so thank you all for listening. Yes, and, and I mean, happy reading, y'all. Happy reading. <laughs> Bye. Bye. sponsorship this week i wanted to talk to our wonderful listeners about something really cool that we decided to do together and that is in no way a sponsorship please do not think this is a sponsorship uh that is partnering with bookshop.org and becoming one of their affiliates um we started a bookshop.org affiliate site to make all of the books that we talk about on this podcast and all of the ones that are like our special focus and even some of our favorite books easily available in like one stop for all of you. Now, when you shop on bookshop.org, we do get 10% of that sale if you use our affiliate link. And our lovely, wonderful Mary had the brilliant idea of using all of that to donate to an amazing cause. This quarter, 
mm-hmm. maybe longer. It depends on how we're feeling about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we may shake it up for, for the time being. We're going to donate everything that we get on our bookshop.org affiliate page to the Trevor Project. Which is yay. Yay, an organization that is near and dear to our hearts and does incredibly good things for the world in general and especially LGBTQIA plus youths. Yes. Yes. Uh, if you have a chance, please check out their website. They, I can't tell you enough how amazing their organization is. And once we get bigger and we get more established, uh, established, um, eventually on Patreon, you guys will d- be able to vote and decide where the donations go. Yes. So we, we, it's so exciting. <laughs> um, I know for the time being, I am so happy to be supporting the Trevor Project in whatever Mm -hmm. way that we can. And this is just one small way to give back while also supporting the indie shops in your area because bookshop.org partners with independent and small booksellers all across I think the United States and Canada, maybe the whole world. Who doesn't love Canada? I love Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Canada. Okay, no, no. Okay. (laughs) No song break? No song break. (laughs) You can find our bookshop.org affiliate site through the description in this episode and our upcoming episodes as well. And then also on our website. You can also (laughs) reach out to us by email. We like that. We want to hear more from you. I know. I love the emails. Thanks for joining us here. Back to the episode. Bye. Bye.